Welcome everyone, day four of AP Appreciation Week and what a week it's been so far. I'm Stuart Griffiths and I'm your host for today and I feel privileged to be able to interview these two icons of the AP industry, uh, Mary Shaver and Jenny Radford. I mean, what more can I say? So, so shall we make a start? Because I'm eager Come to... On, Stuart, look, to... Stuart, myself and Mary, we, we, we're sitting here... I don't know whether we're worried or excited about worried. what you're asking us. <laughs> <Worried>. <laughs> Tell everybody, it's a Q&A session, I believe, Stuart, but you're the yes. person in charge. Myself and Mary are hopefully going to give you answers. Yes, I, 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 I have the questions. I have I have the questions. Just remember, and payback. <laughs> Mary. It's a bit early for frets, Mary, but, you know, look, let's, this, this is a friendly chat, Mary, you know. But, yeah, I have the questions, and I'm, I'm intrigued to hear what you have. So, sit tight. We're gonna, we're gonna, question number one um, is... What is the most memorable mistake you've made in your career? And what did you learn from it? And I'll start with Jamie. Sure. <laughs> you should never ask me a question like that, let's be honest. Um, I know Mary's going to be a lot more sensible than mine. Look, the most memorable mistake I ever made is when I was way back at 17, 18 years old. I was in an office manager's job, really young, um, decided to do a team building exercise with team members, two, two people worked for me at the time, so I was very young, we decided to play, to play basketball in the office. So we were, you know, absolutely screwing up bits of paper, and we decided that we needed a net, and we didn't have one, so we were throwing them out a window. And as they went, we were on a fifth floor, the, the, the paper was going out the window, and we thought, okay, it's going to land on the floor, we'll go and collect it. Um, now, the biggest mistake we, we made was, ultimately, um, it went out the window and we forgot to go and collect it. And then what I learned from that was never throw, well, always throw blank piece of paper, but never throw a piece of paper with your letterhead on. So where you've got the company. <laughs> so I got chastised by my then boss. Um, and I learned a valuable lesson that sometimes team building is a great thing. But actually, look, I was a bit daft in those days and I've never done it since. So there's my there's my story, Stuart. So no uh, plausible deniability, huh? No, I couldn't get any, whether it was fingerprints or not, there was <laughs> there was letterheads, Mary. I got, couldn't get away with it. Oh, I, like, I like that, Jamie. I like that. And what about you, Mary? Yeah? What? So I would say the most memorable mistake that I made, and I'm embarrassed to admit this, I was a lot more than 17 or 18, which might have been an excuse for this, but I would say it was the time that I called my boss stupid to his face, okay? Not generally a good career move. Um, his face got all red. Um, I got out of there quickly. I thought about it a little bit. And so two things I learned from this. Number one, don't call your boss stupid. That's not a really smart move. And number two, go back and apologize. When you make a mistake, and especially an obvious one like that, that you can't deny that it was you, yeah, just go yeah. back and apologize, which is what I did the next day. And he was gracious about it. He pretended he didn't notice. <laughs> kind of hard I, to miss. I like that, Mary. I think uh, yeah, you, you need to be, yeah, be, uh, make your mistakes. I think uh, mm -hmm. calling people stupid is Definitely way forward, but, uh, but I, I do think Mary, we, we've all wanted to call, call our boss stupid before. Yeah, but, but yeah. most of us had enough sense not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, there's, I'm sure there's always always times when you thought about it, but look, yeah, let's let, let's keep our mouths our mouths buttoned. I think definitely for that one. And so, question number two, right? So, what is the what's the best piece of advice? The best piece of advice you've ever received, and did you follow it, uh, Mary? Okay, so. I heard this from a, a, a guy I worked with who was just a few years older than me. He was extremely successful. And he told me this. It was at the very beginning of my year uh, of my career when people normally didn't do this. Today, hopefully, you're all doing this. And he said to me, I try every year to learn one new thing. 
one new, not just one little thing, but learn about one new topic, learn something new. And, you know, I looked at him and I thought, he's probably the last guy in this team that needs to be doing this, but he's the one who is doing it. And that's part of why he's so successful. And yes, I try and follow it. Yeah, I like that, Mary. I love that one. Yeah, yeah, that is really good. I think if we can always try and grow Mm -hmm. ourselves, learn something new, I think that's a definite, definite must. I like that. Jamie, over to you. Well, look, I'll be sensible on this one. Um, best piece of advice. <clears throat> I, When we do the teaching, Stuart, you've been on one of our courses previously. I give this bit of advice to everybody who, who I come in contact with. As a manager or a leader, try and make yourself redundant. And what do I mean by that? Because people get very scary about this. They go, well, you know, why would I want to get redundancy unless I get a big payout? Um, the reality is, if you can build a team that know what they're doing, have great leadership, great processes, great systems, and they can do the job, whether you're there or not, You've actually done a really good job in terms of making a, a success industry-leading team. So ultimately, you could be made redundant. But in, in practice, that never happens. You then usually get highlighted and you get progression. So that's the greatest piece of advice. And I've lived my entire career that way. And fingers crossed, not being made redundant. Um, I might make myself redundant now. But, uh, but other than that, it's a great piece of advice. And I live by that mantra. I like it. Yeah, I like that. I mean, you know, you're, as a leader, you know, we need to develop our teams and and, and obviously yeah make them grow you know let them grow and let them develop in their role so yeah i think i like that very much Jamie. yeah well done well said um so i'm gonna read one question number three um this one goes to mary um if you could trade jobs with anyone in the world for a day who would it be and why so what I would, who I would like to trade jobs with, if I could, would be some of these late night TV talk show hosts, because they get to talk to a lot of really interesting people. And, um, but at the end of the day, I suspect that job is a lot harder than it looks. They make it look like it's easy and they're having a lot of fun, um, but I suspect it's quite difficult. And so um, I think I'm going to keep my job. I like my job. I like what I do. I think they, they, you get some interesting characters calling in late at night. So yeah, but yeah. You know, there are just interesting people around in the daytime, I'm sure as well. <laughs> yeah, I know you mean. Do, do you know what? I, I'm going to put, put myself out on this one, Stuart. I, I'd swap places with uh, the current prime minister, Rishi Sunak. And I'll tell you the reason why. Because I think we all give our politicians and our leaders of the country so much grief. I just love to spend a day in their shoes. You know, I'm always the first one to say, I'll always swap people. If somebody wants to do this job that I do today, please take take a day in my life and see what it's like. But actually, you know, I think it's one of the things, what would I learn? What would I do? I, I, what, what couldn't I do? You know, I'm in charge for one day. So that's what I would do. I'd try and, uh, and do you know what as well, Stuart? And Mary, Rishi Sunak, who's our current prime minister, it's about my height. So you probably could, I could get away with it, I suppose. <laughs> okay, I, I wouldn't want that job. You're a brave man. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think Jamie did it. the one big felt uh, yeah. error in your, in your judgment then because mm-hmm. she's got hair. Oh, well, that's it. Yeah, look, I'll put it upside down, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on, moving on. <laughs> right. So uh, this one goes to uh, Jamie. Jamie, what's the strangest and most unexpected skill you've acquired for your work? Do, do you know what? Um, I'm going to, I'm not going to sound um, male chauvinist here, but I can multitask now. I can do oh. more. Than this is Mary. Listen, you know, and I'll tell you what, stuff that is. This and it's the job that I do now, not previously. So, I think through, through the pandemic, you know, we had to use technology, and using this platform that we're all using today, I have to do two or three things. So. 
I've learned to multitask. And as a male, Stuart, you know, we're always challenged with not being able to focus and do more than one thing. So I'm going to use that. It's, it's going on the CV. I can officially multitask. So there you go. That's the official one from me. Over to you, Mary. <laughs> so <laughs> the most memorable or strangest skill that I that I acquired was actually in my very first job. And I worked for an advertising agency that probably at the time, technology-wise, was the most backward in the, the, the United States. And they still had those telephone operating systems where, you know, you'd see like Ernestine yeah. um, on, uh, I guess, Saturday Night Live, I don't know, where she'd pull out the one hook and plug it in and then pull out another one. And I was the lunchtime replacement. And I have to tell you, I was terrible at it. One time I just uh, disconnected the president's wife three times in a row. And miraculously, I didn't get fired from that job. But on a, on a more serious, and no, that skill never helped me elsewhere. But on a more serious note, and Jamie, you don't give yourself enough credit for this with your multitasking. If you look back at the, if you look back 10 years ago, um, we, we weren't doing online stuff like this. We certainly weren't recording it ourselves. And now I'm, I'm, I'm actually even starting to do a little bit of the video editing. So those are skills, A, I never thought I'd have. And um Still lots of room for improvement, but yeah, you have to be flexible and this is the world we live in. Yeah, this is the world we live in now, Mary. It's all you know, YouTube clips and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. yeah. What's the most memorable career move you've ever taken or seen someone else take? This was um actually my son. Um, he was, when he was first out of school, he'd gotten his MBA and he was looking for a job, worked as an intern at a company. And, um, right before he graduated, they laid off a third of the office. They had a, you know, a, a layoff. So needless to say, he didn't get off at a job and he, he was, he was having a rough time as many people, when they're first starting out, they send out, they apply for jobs and they never hear from it, never hear back. And they're, it's the black hole. And so he saw a job for that same company. Uh, he was living, he was in the Portland office. This was in California. California, about an eight-hour drive difference thereabouts. He didn't know anybody there. He applied for it. He thought he'd get, get called for the interview because he'd worked for the company before, but nothing, nothing, nothing. And so uh, I don't know if this was desperation or brilliance or probably both. <clears throat> he decided he wanted that job. He contacted everybody he had worked with in the port. Um, best career move for me personally was the day where I looked at a job spec and realized that a lot of stuff on the job spec I could do, I could achieve, um, but there was lots of big words and the salary of the job was double. It was actually working for a US organization, AT&T, back in the day. Um, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to try and get myself through this scenario. I'm going to try and go, go for the interview and see what happens. So I did. I went for the interview and you know what? I got the job. Um, and I overcome, it was that imposter syndrome. We spoke about it earlier this week, didn't yeah, we, Stuart? Yeah, yeah. Um, and literally overnight, my lifestyle changed. My, myself and my wife, we had no children at that time. Um, I was managing a big shared service center, a big accounts payable shared service center. Um, and you know what? It, it, it works. It really did. I mean, again, did I learn a lot by going through that? I did. But what the big thing for me was not it was a good career move because it's a huge organization, but I overcome you know, my fear. I looked at the job spec and I thought, yes, can I, cannot do that. And, you know, I speak to lots of people in my current role today. And a, a bit of advice I give everybody is, look, what's the what's the worst that can happen for go for the interview? You know, if you're not good enough or it's not right for you, they'll tell you. And that was a big thing. So my career changed dramatically from that point on. You know, I was managing 70 entities, multinational organization, American organization. We went through the US SOX. We went through everything. Yeah. So I got a huge grounding as well as 
doubling my salary overnight. That was a good one for me, bud. If you could have lunch with any historical figure, who would it be and what would you ask them? Look, I mean, I, I wanted to listen to Mary on this one, but yeah. historical figure. I mean, when you say historical figure, obviously you lead you down the road of the greats, you know, the, yeah. in the UK, the Winston Churchills or whoever. For me, and again, I think your next question that you're going to lead in the next question, because we have had a we have a, had a quick look at some of your questions. One of the people I would have loved to have met and loved to have lunch and loved to pick their brains, believe it or not, is a guy called Bruce Lee. Um, I'm a massive um, martial art fan. I've been doing martial arts since the age of four years old. Uh, Bruce Lee is the absolute icon of that world. Um, it's somebody that when I was growing up, you know, he was, he unfortunately passed away the, the year I was born. So I never got even to see him in the live flesh, but he's an absolute icon. His beliefs, what he did, what his passions were. I've built a lot of my career around the disciplines that martial arts has given me. So I would have loved to have met him. Never could do. I can only watch back in, in awe of what he achieved. Um, and he did, you know, he wasn't here that long, but actually he was a great one. He was one of the greats in my opinion. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. I, never, I, never, I was thinking more of the lines of now, maybe they're not historical, but they're, they're definitely uh, historical in my mind, which is um, Luke Skywalker and, and, yeah. and, and the force and mastering that force and how we can apply that force to do good and better ourselves and all those things. So uh, here you go, Luke Skywalker, even though he's not dead, I know he's not dead. Um, yeah. <laughs> Listen, okay, we need Mary back. You and I are going a right road. We're going a right different route now, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> the, made a force move you, Jane. Made a force move you. All right, we'll move on to the next question. Um, so I'll read it again. What is the one unusual thing about you that few colleagues know and that they might find interesting about you? Okay, so I alluded to it in the last one that, I, that I'm a big fan of martial arts. Um, and Stuart, you and I aren't the biggest people in the world, in height-wise. You know, we both agree. You're bigger than me, taller than me. We've got, we've got um, big hearts, Jamie, big hearts. We have, that's it, big hearts, yeah, hearts and minds. Um, so growing up as, as, a, as a smaller chap, yeah. um, I needed to, you know, get confidence. I needed to be able to look after myself. So I went to the world of judo. So judo was my sport of choice, and I represented the United Kingdom at the age of six, so only doing judo for one year as the national judo champion. And I have since which over many, many years increased, you know, what I've achieved to the level where I was world European and also was at the point of being picked the Olympic squad for judo. And unfortunately then had a really bad injury, which most sports people say. Um, very few people know that. You know, I'm a, I'm a black belt, you know, seventh, several deg degree black belt, let's put it that way. Um, and it's, and as I said in the last session there, uh, Stuart, that what it's taught me uh, doing martial arts, but specifically judo, is it's given me discipline, it's given me confidence, it's given me the respect. And you, let's be honest, in the world of accounts payable, we aren't the most respected. We all need to find confidence. Um, we're not the best you know, organization in terms of reward. Um, but what we do need to do is shout ourselves. So I think all those skills I learned in when I was growing up and going through my career, which was once a professional judo player, as they say, or a judoka, um, taught me where I am today. So there you go. So yeah. lots of people know about it now, so I can't even hide that one anymore. <laughs> I, I think sport, doing any sport, does give you a bit of discipline and a bit, and it gives you insights into things that you never really realise. And, and But even if you don't do sport, there's going to be other hobbies that you do that, you know, you're, again, disciplined to do and you, and you learn and you, and, you, and you take things away. And it's, it's, it's the, what's the word? It's the things that you don't really realise that you're learning at the time. It's only when you reflect on, on when you look back 
at what you've done and those hobbies and what you've achieved in those in those things you think oh yeah you know those things sort of give me a good foundation to to build on so yeah that's 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 fantastic yeah so what's the most memorable team building activity okay so this this um i actually wasn't involved in it but uh, somebody shared this with me and i thought it was brilliant what the woman did is she had a large ap department and she went out at lunchtime she went to the local grocery store and she bought tubs of ice cream uh, we sell them here in half gallon uh, sizes. I, you probably sell something. And then she bought, uh, so she bought several different kinds. She bought toppings. Um, she bought cherries and sprinkles. And nobody knew she did this. And then she went back, she put it in the conference room in, and she called the staff in, and everybody made themselves an ice cream sundae. Hey, Lisa, that, I'll tell you what, I don't know about, it's quite warm here in the UK today. I'm going to go get some ice cream later. <laughs> Any team building that involves food, I am there. I am there. <laughs> you know so, she, so she surprised the staff. And plus, like you say, ice cream. Who doesn't like ice cream? But you know what we did? We, um, well, there's two things, really. So our team, the Accounts Pebble Association uh, team, just most recently, just this weekend, actually, went on a team building exercise. And they walked in, in uh, for a charity, a local charity. Oh, that's good They idea. walked... Um, 27 miles or 44 <gasps> kilometers now mary the, the thing that, that there's a lesson to be learned here um they then a day later had to go live at an ap forum where there were other <laughs> people all day and let's just say some people were hobbling some people sat down a bit um but the, the more youngster the youngster one the younger ones in the crowd the pages of the world were bouncing around as though there was not a problem um but then at the end of the forum even though it was a great day and actually, you know, they did an amazing job. They, they've raised a whole lot of money. Um, everybody felt it. So <laughs> you know at, the, at, the, at the age of 50 years old, I felt a spring chicken at the forum. I did. I was bouncing around at the end of the day and my team was sort of crouching around. So team building can be a good thing, but it also can be, depending on time, uh, I'm not sure they'll do that again this year. So that's my story of team building. And it literally has just happened. If your life were a movie... What genre would it be and who would you play? Mary knows the answer to this one. It's simple. You know, the genre's got to be action. The movie's got to be Top Gun. And the person's can only be Tom Cruise. Let's be honest. <laughs> can I be the first to say, Amy, you are no Tom Cruise. Listen, okay. listen. I Stuart, Stuart, I am the same height as Tom Cruise. He wears he wears stiletto heels. I am the same Cruise. Look, just because he's got a bit more hair than I have, um, he has the attraction of me. <laughs> Look, and in reality, I'll be the the, the genre probably would be comedy. The action hero would be Tom. Um, What's his name? Uh, Tom Hanks, and he'll probably be Forrest Gump. So yes, you've <laughs> you've either got Tom Cruise and uh, yeah, and and sort of uh, fighter pilots or Forrest Gump. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Well, you've gone from one extreme to the other, but yeah, I, I get it. I get it. But yeah, I love that. And, and over to you, Mary. So I, it would be one of those klutzy comedies where uh, the heroine uh, succeeds in spite of herself, and um, probably be Sandra Bullock. Oh, I love Sandra Bullock. Yeah, very good, very good. She's quite funny. A lot more sensible mind, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> On both ends, Mr. Radford. <laughs> Although I really like Tom Hanks. Oh, yes, yeah. I, I, I like Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks. One's tall, one's small, um, and I'm in between somewhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> somewhere in between. Okay. Right, on to the next one then. So, um, Mary, this is for you. Um, what's the most hilarious or embarrassing email or message you've accidentally sent to the wrong person? 
Okay, Stuart, I, I can't even believe I'm going to admit this. <clears throat> and most of the time you want to learn from your mistakes. And somehow I have never learned on this one. And I've done it several times where you hit reply all instead of just uh, reply or forward it to, to somebody. And I've said something, you know, like, what is that guy, an idiot? Um, or something like that in the email where the person who I was talking about um, actually got it. And so lesson learned here. A, don't do that, number one. And number two, you know, don't put anything in writing. Don't put anything in writing or in an email that you wouldn't want shared with someone because not only um, might you do reply all like I did, but you don't know that somebody else isn't going to forward it. So, and I still occasionally do it. I can't believe it. Yeah, look, mine's exactly the same as as Mary's. I've had that same issue where I've either replied all, um, not necessarily said things I wouldn't want to say, but there's a time and a place to say, you know, <laughs> as, as I've got older, you know, and, I'm, and now I'm half a century, um, I, my filter has, has, has just disappeared. I, know. So I, I really say what I mean now all the time. And and my team will tell you this, that I, that I do sometimes say things that probably I shouldn't. Um, and I mean it in the greatest way of respect. Um, and again, the other thing I would say is in, in real real time, um, any foul language, anything like that. Look, there's a time and a place for everything. We all get frustration. And I've seen this occasion where customers and suppliers, and Stuart, you must get this in the real world of accounts payable, where they blurt out and, you know, on phones or on emails, they're shouting, they're abusive, whatever. Not acceptable. Right. So there's a time and a place, and there's a there's a, there's a a way to communicate in that. And we can all be guilty of it, but I think, you know, I would put that down to the filter, time and a place, and, yeah, I've been guilty of it myself. What's the funniest or weirdest thing that's ever happened to you at work? Okay, well, look, the funniest one, I, I, um, it reminds me, I was uh, I was running a shared service centre for an organisation and I was interviewing for a very senior job and a guy turned up for an interview and he turned up with some, what he thought were bifocals, so sunglasses that obviously then go lighter, so dark outside and they go lighter when they go inside. The guy turns up, he interviews for three quarters of an hour with myself and my then boss. We were interviewing him for three quarters of an hour. Um, he had black shades on. So he sat through the entire interview with black darkened shades. Um, I assumed that he maybe, you know, had a, a sort of a sight difficulty of sort. So I carried on the interview and, and went through and he did really well in the interview. And then I saw him down the stairs after his interview and I saw him down the stairs literally wondering whether I should hold his arm because I thought as he's walking out, I thought I wonder if he's sight impairment. He's walked down to the front of the reception and he's got there and he, he was very nervous. He said, oh, thank you very much for your time. Um, how do you think I did? And I said, really, really well. He said, great. So I'm going to drive home. And I went, look, I said, are you going to get the taxi? Or He said, no, I'm driving. And then as he, he walked outside, he came back in. He went, have I just done the entire interview in my sunglasses? And then he'd realized he wasn't wearing bifocals. He was wearing these dark shades. So it was the most strange interview that myself and my then boss didn't pick up on. Uh, the, la- the guy didn't get the job, by the way. Uh, I was going to ask that, yeah. <laughs> didn't get the job, Mary. But you know what? It's a memorable story for me. And everybody that walks into my office, I always treat them with some respect. But if anybody walks in there with darkened shades, I'll probably first thing I say, are you aware that you wear darker shades? There you go. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that. And Mary, you. What's the funny so, thing that's happened to you? So, um, oh, my God. So I had started a new job. 
Um, and I, I, w- I went to the company. They had in the little department that we had. Uh, there was another woman starting that same day, and our up, a wonderful boss. He went out and he brought he brought in coffee for everybody. So we were all uh, standing around drinking our coffee, you know, putting it down, whatever. And I decided I was going to sit down on the end of the desk, kind of you know, half sit and half lean. And I sat down on the cup of coffee. First day on. on- <laughs> <laughs> new job. Now, the good uh, news about this story is I had a dark brown suit on, so it quickly dried and nobody could tell that I'd sat in a cup of coffee. That, that is so lucky. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Quite embarrassing, but I'm sure. Yeah. Did you know, picking up on that one, that, that reminds me of another story. Look, I'm, I'm just going to go on with stories now. Mary, it reminds me of a story. A lad came for an interview for me many years ago, and he came into the interview and he was all prim and proper, um, got a nice suit on, nice white shirt on. And he was, he was quite nervous and he was a big lad, a lot taller than me, which most people are. Big lad. And he went, he said, look, I'm a bit nervous. Would you mind if I take my jacket off? I said, of course, make yourself comfortable. Get you, you know, let's, we'll start the interview. As he takes his jacket off, his entire sort of here on him was completely black. So he's got a white shirt with a complete black. He'd got a fountain pen, which had then leaked into his pocket. And he, <laughs> he, sat, he sat there with this huge ink patch here. And I didn't want, I didn't have the heart to tell him he did a re- and by the way, this guy, the, he did get the interview because after he realized he did a really good job and you know what, it was a story that bonded us as well. So there you go. So it's not just coffee, Mary, it can, it can be pens as well. It happens to all of us. Yeah. Oh dear. Uh, poor kid. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like that one. Well, yeah. well done. Well done. And he got the job as well, Jamie, you said. Yeah. See. Yeah, and we we made sure we, we he wrote in pencils from there on in. No, no, no fancy pens. Give your younger self one piece of advice. What would it be? Okay, so if I could travel back in time, I look at myself, and when I started out, I was quite timid, and I never wanted to make suggestions or ask uh, because I thought I don't know what I thought. I thought they'd be angry with me, and so in, in, when I ver- in the beginning, I never would speak up. I never would say anything, and I would say, "Speak up if you have a good idea." Uh, mention it, suggest it. it. People will, people won't take offense. And it, in my case, I wanted more work. Ask for it. Um, also, be a little flexible. And um, I can say this with the hindsight of time: be willing to take some chances. Okay, um, it's a lot easier. I know you won't believe this if you're just starting out, but it's a lot easier, and the risk is a lot lower to take a chance when you're just starting out because you can recover if it's if it's a bad chance you took than than when you're older. So uh, speak up. You've got good ideas. Be flexible. Take some chances. Well, look, if I could talk to a younger self, not only would I—I uh, I think I said this yesterday, Mary. Actually, I'd uh, <laughs> invest in some hair products. Um, uh, but yeah, um, but, but all seriously. Um, the one thing I would say, you know, I've, I've hit that, that grand old age of half a century. Um, I would say to myself that things are going to be okay. You're going to turn out fine. You can't turn back the clock. So don't even think about it. But actually, take time out to what we would say in the UK to smell the flowers or smell the roses. Yeah, we say that. Start too. to s- celebrate the, the little things in life. Take Celebrate the time with your, your colleagues, your family and your friends. Because nothing's that crucial in life when it comes to work that it can't be overcome by the next day or the next day or the email. Whatever it is, take some time because time goes past so fast and it always work out. You will work out, have the dedication and the support, but you will get there eventually. And I would definitely tell myself that because far too often I've worried for all the wrong reasons yep. and I haven't taken the time to go smell the roses and take the time with family and friends. So that's what I'd do. And the stuff you worry about somehow never happens. Yeah, true, true. Uh, I think that you're absolutely right there, Mary. Okay, so we're on to the last question, and this is a this is a personal one, I think, for, for me. Uh oh. Um, <laughs> as as you know, you know, I, I have 
been seen in in other uh, attires, so to speak. And so I was wondering if uh, you were to attend a, a fancy dress party or, or costume party, what Great. outfit would you wear, and, and and why would you why would you dress up as as that character? So uh, what what I would do is I would wear probably, especially if I had to make the costume myself. Uh, costume parties, which are popular here, especially around thanks uh, uh, Halloween, I would go as a ghost because I can figure out how to make that costume, put a sheet over my head, cut cut some holes in it, and and I would uh, you know be a, be able to go. The other advantage of with that with my great costume is hopefully nobody would be able to recognize me, and um, I, I'd get to listen in on uh, conversations. Um, one of the things that happened to me in my career, I've been working about 10 years and I, I was in the office and we had cubicles. The cubicles was pretty, were pretty high and it was after hours. I was working a little late, like 15 minutes late, but everybody else had gone and I was just sitting at my desk working and two um, of the managers came walking, walking along, a senior manager and a junior manager, but both definitely higher than me. And they stopped right outside my cubicle, obviously not realizing I was there. And, one, and they were talking about who they were going to send to a particular event because whoever was supposed to go couldn't go. And they'd say, well, what about this one? And, and the other one would say, no, he's embarrassing. Or, he doesn't talk well. I mean, and they're going through everybody on staff, uh, giving their honest assessments, not realizing that I am literally sitting on the other side of the wall. And then uh, somebody said, what about Mary? And I held my breath. And one of the other ones said, no, we can't send her. If we send her, who will do the work? I wanted to get up and, and say something, <laughs> but I didn't. I used a little bit of discretion. <laughs> so I like going, being able to hear people, hear what people are saying. <laughs> being a ghost, uh, fly the wall, as they say. Yeah. yeah I, like, I like that. Jamie? Well, look, uh, Stuart, I've got to finish this thing on, on a joke. Anybody in the UK will know a show called Only Fools and Horses. Anybody <laughs> in the US and around the world, it's a comedy show. Go, go check out this particular episode. It's one of the most famous episodes, Mary. The two characters, Dell and Rodney, go to a fancy dress, what they think is a fancy dress, to win a prize dressed as Batman and Robin. What they don't realise is the person who's hosting the actual party unfortunately passed away, and they were attending a wake. So they go running into a wake dressed as Batman and Robin oh, to lots and lots of people in black suits, black ties. So the hilarity kicks in, everybody's laughing, whatever. And they're one of their friends called Trigger. Stuart, you'll know who yes, this is. I know, yeah, Trigger, Trigger, he's standing there in a black suit, black, black tie. And uh, everybody says to the two characters, you didn't realise that the that it's awake. And they went, no, of course it didn't. They turned around to this Trigger fella who's got this black shirt, a uh, black tie and black suit. And went, obviously you were told that it was awake. And he went, no. He said, I'm just as embarrassed as you. He said, I've come as a chauffeur. So that's the hilarity. So you know what? I'd learn from your mistake. I'd go to a chauffeur as every chair. So you can never get it wrong. So there's my bit of advice, bit of hilarity. <laughs> go watch that episode, by the way. If you've never heard Only Falls and Horses, go watch it. It's hilarious. So I'm conscious of time now because we've been I've been loving your stories. I think you two have got some great some great some great backstories there. I think um, I think the audience have enjoyed it thoroughly. And I, I know I have. So again, thank you for, for having me on. So Stuart. So, yeah. What would you go dressed as? Absolutely. And don't use your Count Dracula uh, costume because we've seen it. We want something new from you. Yeah, I've got, I've got, um, I've got something uh, quite apt. I think um, I would go as B.A. Barakas. I, I, I was going to say I've got the guns, but I'm not going to do that. But I've got the, I've got the, I've got the, the hair, and, and I've got a mohawk, and 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 maybe, maybe. Maybe I might share with you my my getup of, of me going to a fancy dress party. It might be a, be a Barakas outfit. 
know, looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, Stuart, the, only, the, the only thing I would say about that is you wouldn't be able to travel on planes. Hey, <laughs> I ain't getting no plane. I ain't getting no plane, you crazy fool. <laughs> Stop that, Jimmy Jabba. Yeah. You see, he's even got the accent down as well, Mary. I didn't even oh. want to try that one, but oh, hey, yeah. you know what? You'd make a very good behavior rockers. Thank, um, you. Thank you very much, Jamie. I could be Hannibal, the, the mad one, isn't he, or, or whatever he was. But yeah, I'll be the mad one. Yeah, there we go. Okay. So yeah, so I, I mean, I think we're out, we're out of time now.